Hello, and welcome to All Things Plantagenet. My name is Donnie Hazel, and I am your host. To all of my original listeners, welcome back. To those new to the show, welcome. I am a storytelling historian with a great love for the Plantagenet dynasty, as I am a direct descendant to Geoffrey of Anjou via my paternal line on my grandmother Carter's side. I descend through Diana Skipwith, daughter of Sir Henry Skipwith and Amy Kemp. Diana married Captain Thomas Carter. They immigrated to the Americas in 1650, settling in Barford in Lancaster County, Virginia. So with that said, please like and download the show as it helps other listeners learn about the show. If you wish to support this podcast, there is a link for you to do so, and it would be much appreciated as it would help with costs of maintaining the website www.allthingsplantagenet.com where you can find the podcast as well as extra items for each episode you can read or download. You can also find great books and videos for sale as well. Feel free to also visit our Facebook page. A link is provided as well on the website. Okay, on to the episode. Welcome to the Deadly Dynasties podcast, where we talk all about how great men rose to power, the events that unfolded during their reign, and what led to their demise. I'm your host, DJ Hill. The establishment of the Plantagenet dynasty in medieval England is a colorful story. Sitting on the shores south of the English Channel, at the age of 13, Henry II was planning an invasion to conquer the Empire of England in his name. His mother, Matilda, told him all his life that he is the rightful King of England through his late grandfather and former King, Henry I. At the time of Henry I's death, Matilda was his only surviving child, but daughters were rarely afforded the opportunity at power, and so the crown was passed to a cousin of Matilda, Stephen of Blues, and she was ousted from the country. Henry II inherited the lands of Anjou and was titled the Duke of Normandy, and because of his royal lineage, many noblemen saw him right to be the king. King Stephen would not be so eager to hand over the kingdom, and so war would have to determine who was right to rule. Loyalists from all over Normandy came to the support of Henry II while civil war across the channel in England broke out. Henry II raised support from barons in the west and south, which made his passage into England smooth. As a young man with power, an army, a valid claim, and after years of civil war tearing the countryside apart, people turned to Henry to save England and bring peace back to the land. Engineers went to work, constructing siege engines, and blacksmiths pounded out thousands of swords. While King Stephen was busy drowning the fires of rebellion, Henry moved his military into the city of Malmesbury. He ordered the catapults to line up and aimed their artillery right into the center of the city. Thousands of men willing to fight and die in the name of Henry II organized and laid siege to the town. He ordered the catapults to fire into the city without regards to whomever may live inside. A local militia appeared outside, weak and feeble in comparison to Henry's army, but brave. They fought with all the might they could muster, 
but the overwhelming force Henry brought quickly overpowered them. As each day passed, provisions within the city dropped and diseases swept the streets. News finally arrived to King Stephen, whose immediate actions were to bring relief to the city and deal with his invader. Time couldn't have been any more critical. Nobody knew just how much longer Malesbury could hold out. People began to starve, and at any moment the gates could open, offering a formal surrender. King Stephen marched hard, overcoming any obstacles along the way. The king arrived on a ridgeline overlooking the massive invasion force against this small war-torn town. Henry II impatiently ordered his men to take the city by force. Capturing this city was strategic to Henry because it paved a clear path into the rest of eastern England as well as provided a buffer zone for his army. King Stephen wanted nothing more than to throw everything he had at Henry and destroy this usurper. He turned to his generals and barons, commanding an attack be launched. One thing the king did not account for was the morale within his own ranks. After years of fighting, and for what? The men did not see a reason to support the king in another battle. A mutiny broke out and King Stephen lost all control. Messengers were sent between Henry and Stephen's encampments, and together they formed a plan to negotiate an end to this war. Henry had the upper hand here, and played his cards well. The barons wanted peace, and Henry wanted to be king. Henry proposed a treaty in which everybody, in a sense, wins. The treaty was that King Stephen can continue to act and hold the title of king, but must name Henry II the heir. In return for this agreement, all fighting will cease, and peace will be bought back to a land that needed it desperately. King Stephen was in no position to refuse such a generous offer, and together they made a pact. This pact gave birth to the Plantagenet dynasty, and Henry II was in the spotlight to become the future King of England. Henry II was officially crowned the ruling King of England in 1154. He acquired his power through brute force and political savviness. He had a hunger for power that England and Normandy combined could not satiate. Channeling his attention on the home front, King Henry went from castle to castle, stronghold to stronghold, removing the barons and noblemen from power and reclaimed the land directly under the king. He then granted the lands, in most cases, back to their former owner. On the surface, it sounds like a waste of time, but it was a magnificent show of strength. King Henry was proven to everyone who was really in control. A few years before his ascent to kingship, King Henry met and betrothed perhaps one of the most influential women in history, Eleanor, Duchess of Aquitaine. This was not her first marriage. As a young, 12-year-old girl, Eleanor was wedded to King Louis VII, the King of France. As the queen, she followed King Louis to battle in the Second Crusades, and when the time came, she fulfilled her duties and bore the king's children. Their marriage became turbulent, primarily due to the fact that Eleanor only bore King Louis daughters. In the Middle Ages, daughters did not grow dynasties, and divorces weren't as common. King Louis truly believed Eleanor could never produce a son. He gathered bishops and noblemen 
and sought to find a loophole in their marriage. They discovered that Eleanor was loosely related to King Louis by blood, and by law, their marriage wasn't legal. They brought this to the attention of the Pope, who promptly annulled the marriage and officially separated Louis and Eleanor. Sent into exile from France, Eleanor returned to Aquitaine and eventually met Henry II. When he was coronated, Eleanor was now the Queen of England. Eleanor helped consecrate King Henry's reach in Normandy and began to bear children. A royal birth was always a newsworthy event, and it wasn't long before Eleanor's former husband, King Louis, found out that she gave birth to multiple sons. The thought that he gave up Eleanor because she didn't produce an heir, only for her to become the Queen of England and produce an heir, drove a wedge in the relationship between Louis and Henry. This set off a chain of events in which many wars would be fought between England and France. King Henry overlooked a massive empire, sitting at the head of the table with a plate full of delicacies and a goblet full of wine. He asserted his power throughout virtually every facet of England, yet to prove himself to the world, he set out to do the impossible. The King of France, Louis VII, was already wounded by Henry and Eleanor's marriage and their success in producing sons, but it was Henry's military advances that set their relationship over the edge. There was a dispute over the lands in eastern Normandy that bordered France called Vexen. This land was, from a military standpoint, strategic as it bordered a river on top of a plateau. Henry formed an agreement with Louis in which he would wed his eldest son, young Henry, to Louis's daughter, Margaret, and receive Vexen in return, once the marriage was officiated. Just west of Aquitaine and technically out of the jurisdiction of King Henry lied the Duchy of Brittany. It was primarily an independent nation run by local lords and when Conan III died, civil war broke out across the lands. King Henry saw the opportunity and established himself with the claim that he is the feudal overlord in Brittany. Instead of purely conquering the lands through military force, King Henry gave support to Conan IV's claim since he had strong English ties and could be easily influenced. By this time, the lands of England, Brittany, Anjou, Normandy, and Aquitaine were all firmly in the hands of King Henry. Hoping to expand his reach, Henry looked to southern France to the province of Toulouse. The city was a developed and fortified stronghold south of Aquitaine, and Henry wanted to rule over it all. He amassed a large army, and this was no simple endeavor. He had to ride out to various ally houses for support, garner funding to hire mercenaries, and set up the supply train for this expedition. This was one of the largest expeditions in England's history. Surrounding the city, Henry felt confident of a swift end, expecting a similar outcome to that in Brittany. The thought of power and control consumed King Henry, but he knew how to play politically, which was one of his great strengths. When he invaded Toulouse, it was to his surprise that King Louis was also there in the city. To further continue aggression would be a direct act of war, and King Henry wasn't ready for such an attack. He withdrew his forces and went on a rage-filled pillaging of all the surrounding counties and seized nearby castles. 
King Louis sought to repair French-English relations, and so he proposed a treaty in 1160 offering all the lands and rights King Henry's grandfather, Henry I, had, and reaffirmed the marital agreement between young Henry and Margaret. Shortly after the treaty, Theobald, Count of Blues, abandoned his alliance with King Henry after Louis cunningly betrothed his daughters to Theobald's sons. King Henry was infuriated at the circumstance, and more so with King Louis, and bullied papal legates into officiating the marriage between young Henry and Margaret, despite them being only five and three years old. After the marriage, King Henry quickly moved in and took control over the lands of Vexen. This was in clear violation of the treaty that was formed, and Louis was enraged. Theobald started mobilizing his forces along the borders, and Henry launched a surprise attack, taking Theobald's castle in Chamont from him. The tensions between England and France were beginning to escalate, and war was becoming more a probability every day. However, peace was temporarily restored in 1162 when a new treaty was formed overseen by Pope Alexander III. It was by this time that one of the most controversial topics with King Henry's reign began to surface. In 1161, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Theobald of Beck, died. King Henry decided to appoint his close friend and English Chancellor Thomas Becket in his place. The church was the last remnants of Henry's empire that he did not have complete, unwavering control over. The church and the crown constantly fought each other on rights each other held, and Henry had hoped that by placing Becket at the helm of the church, these issues would be resolved. Thomas Becket, being almost as high up the government as one could ever aspire to be, was now also thrusted into a position of power over the clergy. He found himself surrounded by people who did not like and follow him because of his governmental standing. What King Henry failed to foresee was Becket becoming devout to the church and everything it stood for, and then resigning as the Chancellor of England. As king, Henry II made radical legislative reforms throughout the realm and wished to do the same with the church. In England, one in every six citizens were considered a part of the clergy. It wasn't a special title, but it afforded those who held it exclusive rights if they were to ever fall out of favor with the law. Regardless of the crime, clergymen were tried in church-run courts outside of the control of the state and king. The punishments dealt out were significantly more lenient, with a maximum penalty being a fine. King Henry wanted direct control over the court hearings of clergymen, and proposed the Constitutions of Clarendon. This set of bylaws took away the church's rights to oversee trials of their people. Thomas Becket resisted every attempt Henry took at stripping away church rights and denied the passage of the new laws. This resorted to open arguments between Henry and Becket and their relationship was further strained. King Henry went to Pope Alexander and manipulated Becket into consenting to the law. 
When the Constitutions of Clarendon were released, it was a 16-point document limiting the jurisdiction and power of the church and over the rights of criminous clerks. The position and power of the church was greatly defeated, and Becket worked to try and restore the church rights by petitioning to the Palpacy, the Holy Roman Emperor, and a longtime enemy of Henry, King Louis VII. In 1164, Becket attempted to leave England for France, which was strictly forbidden in the Constitutions of Clarendon. He was caught and tried for not adhering to the Constitution, illegally confiscating lands in the church's name throughout the realm, and even embezzlement charges from when he was Chancellor of England. He was found guilty on all accounts, but was able to flee from his sentencing. Becket successfully left England and sought refuge in France. The king sent all of Becket's family, servants, and any beneficies of the archbishop's clerk into exile. Becket retaliated by sending letters of excommunication to advisors and clerical servants who supported Henry, taking away their powers from the church. Lengthy appeals on both sides of the manor began, and this quickly turned into an international disaster publicly for King Henry, who was seen as someone who can't even control his own people. As King Henry's son, young Henry, grew older, he wanted to anoint him as Rex Designatus, or King Designate. This was a ceremony that only the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Becket, could perform. King Henry violated that right in every way when he had his son crowned by the Archbishop of York. This drove Becket to lay an interdict on England. An interdict is the most severe palpable punishment that could be sentenced to a country. This effectively halted all church services, marriages would not take place, ceremonies would no longer be conducted, and funerals would cease, leaving bodies to rot on the sides of the road. This labeled Henry and his kingdom as dissenters from God and left in the dark. King Henry's anger boiled over. He was seen in his dining hall one night when he made a statement that forever changed his reign. What miserable drones and traitors have I nourished and promoted in my household who let their lord be treated with such shameful contempt by a low-born clerk? In the dining hall, there were four knights who overheard this fit of rage and left the room. They rode out into the night with the purpose of hunting down Becket. They arrived in Canterbury. There at the cathedral, they found Becket at the altar. They went to arrest him for his treasons against King Henry. When he refused to be arrested, the knights hacked him to death right there at the altar. The murder of Thomas Becket occurred on December 29th 1170. He was turned into a martyr and King Henry was the only one to blame. As the church mourned the assassination of the archbishop, a revolt was brewing in the kingdom with Henry's wife Eleanor and three sons at the helm. Young Henry, the eldest son, was crowned Rex Designatus in the controversial ceremony. However, he was never given the powers that accompany such a title. He was the overseer of lands he had no direct access to the revenues of. Those powers remained with the real king, Henry II. This left young Henry in serious debt and frustrated.
His brothers and mother sided with him and took up arms against the king. Eleanor went to her former husband, King Louis VII, to create an alliance between young Henry and France. Young Henry traveled to the French king offering fealty in exchange for support. Capturing the support of the French and Jeevan barons and King William of Scotland in the north, Henry II was fighting a war on all fronts. King Henry tracked down and took in Eleanor and held her in captivity. King Louis and young Henry organized an army and launched an attack from the south on Normandy, while Bretons attacked from the west and the Counts of Flanders and Balloon attacked from the east. They lay siege to Vexen, the land King Henry fought so hard to secure for England. The assaults were a failure, with King Henry's defenses standing strong against the invasion. The Bretons were routed from battle after a heavy loss of life. The Count of Balloon was killed, and Louis's forces were defeated. While King Henry was focusing his attention on the war in Normandy, King William of Scotland began his attack on northern England, taking castles and laying cities to the torch. These great atrocities that were causing his kingdom to collapse weighed heavily on King Henry. He believed this all stemmed from how he treated his old friend and former Archbishop Thomas Becket. When he landed back on the shores of southern England, his first actions were to go to Canterbury where the infamed murder took place. He put on a spectacular show in front of all the people there. He jumped off his horse, barefoot, in simple clothing, and made a walk of atonement up to the cathedral. He prayed at the altar for forgiveness for Thomas Becket's death and proceeded to allow every single monk flog him. After three days of fasting and prayer, King Henry left the cathedral. He settled with Pope Alexander, agreeing to the Compromise of Aranches, which set aside the Constitution of Clarendon forever and made a promise that England would commit to going on the next crusade. With now the full backing of the church, King Henry went back to northern England and crushed the rebellion led by King William of Scotland. He captured William and the rebellion began to dismantle. Young Henry came to the table suing for peace. The revolt initially began due to King Henry's inability to hand over any real power to his sons, and in the aftermath, he only granted additional revenues to his son. After eight years, young Henry had enough. He demanded to be named Duke of Normandy. King Henry responded flatly by saying no but offering to increase his allowances. Young Henry then wanted the lands of Aquitaine, who was headed by his younger brother Richard. When Richard refused to give up his seat, open war began again, this time between the two brothers. Within a year into the fresh rebellion, young Henry, Rex Designatus, contracted dysentery and died. With his eldest son dead, Succession plans were put in place to name Richard the next King of England. King Henry offered the meaningless role of junior king to Richard and asked him to unseat himself from Aquitaine and give the lands up to his younger brother John. When Richard refused, 
King Henry ordered his other sons, John and Joffrey, to march on Aquitaine and take the duchy by force. Henry then sent his wife and Richard's mother, Eleanor, down to Aquitaine to quell her son's anger. The tactic worked, and Richard handed over the ducal castles of Aquitaine to Henry. By 1180, in France, King Louis died, and the French crown was passed to Philip, a young and fresh king. Richard and Philip became close friends, and in 1188, they paired together to take down King Henry. At the age of 55, King Henry found himself once again going to war. He was physically incapable of carrying out another war, and the tides of battle started to shift against him. Henry retreated from the battlefront and surrendered his cause. At this point, he was sick, old, and seemingly everywhere around him, people wanted him out. Negotiating from a bed, he acknowledged Richard as the heir to England and gave in to every demand. He was carried in a litter to Chernon, when on July 6, 1189, he collapsed in his weakened state and died. King Henry II's reign sent a shockwave throughout Europe, and from virtually nothing, he fought and climbed his way into leading one of the greatest empires of the Middle Ages. The Plantagenet dynasty continued on to having other kings with great military successes and also failed kings. The Plantagenet dynasty was also responsible for the creation of one of the most famed documents in English history, the Magna Carta. After centuries of rule, with many wars fought, the Plantagenets eventually fell and gave rise to the Tudors and what was known as the War of the Roses. I thank you for listening to this podcast. Please, feel free to leave a review on whichever medium you're using, and if you enjoyed this, subscribe for more.